0: It's a pleasure to introduce the Motivational
1: Cowboy, Johnny D. Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy with this week's Outstanding Life podcast. And today I have the pleasure of sitting down with somebody that I have been asking for over a year now. Yeah. Yeah. To be on this podcast. And, um, it finally worked out. My schedule worked out. His schedule worked out. And I don't want anybody to to be scared yet because when I tell them what you do for a living, they're gonna be like, Oh, okay. No, 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 no. But but you're my pastor, man. You yep. are the pastor of my church. You are the reason. You and your church is the reason why I came back to church. That's and I awesome. don't even know if you know this story, but uh, a good friend of ours, Eric, that does yep. all the video work here, um, he, I sat down with him one day and I said, uh, Eric, I said, um, I, said I, I want to do a, a video. And he's like, well, meet me at this place called Baxter's. Yeah. And that was when the church was on Van Horn. And um and I said okay cool I walked in it did not look like a church. Yeah, a restaurant, right? It was a, right in it was a restaurant. <laughs> it was a coffee house I sat down with them and I looked down at him. I my I'm like what is this man? I go and he goes well this is a church. I said no it's not. And he took me into the auditorium. And I flipped out. I'm like there's no possible way. Now a guy that that was brought up through Catholic schools yeah. the whole thing. Um I was like this ain't church. And then 2 weeks later I had the nerve to, 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 I built up the nerve to go to that yeah. church, to your church. And, and I walked in, I was like, I, I was at the wrong place. Cause it was like a rock concert going. Yeah, on. It, I showed up <laughs> just a little bit late cause I was scared. I wanted to be the guy that sat in the back and I've been hooked ever since. Yeah. And it's been almost 10 years. And, and I just want to thank you for what you do for the community, for what you do for everybody at the church. And for those that don't even go to church, you're just an awesome yeah. guy, and, and we call this the Outstanding Life Podcast because you are an outstanding individual in my book, oh, thanks, and, and 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 I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But this is this episode is not about church, yeah. So this is about Jeremy, and this is probably going to feel kind of yeah. weird. This is about you, yeah. Let, let me back into this a <laughs> little
0: bit. Uh, when we started Metro way back in two thousand. Uh, we wanted to create a church for unchurched people. Yeah, Uh, I I feel like people have a profound interest in God and spiritual things, uh, in faith. Uh, They have deep questions and doubts, and uh, they have a profound interest in in the afterlife and all that. But honestly, they've checked out of church. They've just checked out. It's irrelevant to them. It doesn't mean anything to them. And uh, they— they have the same questions and the same longings, but they just didn't have a resource, a place to connect the two together. And so we decided that we would start a church for the unchurched, for people who, uh, you know, just said enough of that. I grew up in Catholic church or whatever, and I get it. I grew up in the Catholic church very early on, and then kind of did the traditional baptisty route for a while. And uh, when I was twenty two, um, I had I was in Bible college, literally in Bible college. And I checked out of church, and I'm thinking to myself, I love God. I actually love the Bible. I love the people of God. Yeah. I just felt that church was so boring uh, and so <laughs> irrelevant to my life. You know, I was playing in rock bands at the time. I had two foot of long hair. I wore black jeans and black leather all Wait, the time. Wait a second, you
1: were in a rock band? Dude, yeah. I remember years ago, you on stage with Chad, yeah, and you, you, you busted out the electric guitar. That's right. Old Les Paul. yeah. No, no, you actually played? Yeah, of course. Really? Yeah, I didn't dude. know that about you.
0: Yeah, so what do you think my kids get all the musical skills from? From you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I was playing in bands and playing in clubs and all that kind of stuff. And and I, I love the modern world. I love music and videos and art and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and church was just not a place for that, yeah. you know? And uh, I remember thinking to myself... Uh, when I have kids, I don't want them to have to develop their talents and then leave the church in mm-hmm. order to use those talents, yeah. right? And so I, I I just wanted a different kind of church where people walked in and go, man, I I get this. This is my world. We're more of an – like, think about this. Like, the world is used to walking into Sam's Club. Yeah. The, the world is used to walking into a Home Depot, that, that kind of an environment. And uh, when you walk into church, you feel like you – you walked into to history, right? Yeah. The only place you use pews is a courtroom, right? <laughs> right. And who wants to be in court? I know. I've been in court many times. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I left the church when I was 22 years old and just kind of wandered a little bit and uh, eventually started my own youth ministry. We can talk about that. And yeah. Kind of grew from there, but um, but yeah, I, I remember it was a big decision to say this does not connect with me anymore.
1: What was Jeremy like? As a child.
0: Yeah. Um, I, re- so you, I, I think uh, all of us uh, think we were larger than life when we were a kid. Yeah. Uh, but I remember I was hyper. I re- This was early on the, uh, what do they call it? HD, AD, AD HD, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, that was probably pre those era, but that's probably who I was. Yeah. Because I remember being told all the time, you are hyper. You are hyper. <laughs> true story. True story. I had to be in second or third grade. And, uh, I was one of those kids who just would not shut up in class. And, you know, the, the reports were all, Oh, Jeremy's a good boy, but he just won't be quiet. Jeremy's a good boy, but he won't stay in his seat, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I was wandering around and my teacher, now they could never do this today, but my teacher sat me in my desk and duct taped me to the chair, <laughs> literally like duct taped me down. Was it I private remember school? That. No, it was oh, public okay. school. <laughs> I remember getting spanked in school. Yeah. Do you so remember?
1: I was more afraid of going home and telling my dad that I got spanked at school than I was of the teacher. Oh yeah, oh and yeah. Be- because that's the way I mean. It was yes sir, no thank you oh, around my totally house. Totally different world. Yeah, and um, we got and spanked I at those. school. Yeah, and then we got spanked at home. That, well, that, well, that's at, what I mean. It's like, <laughs> but, but I never had to get spanked at home. Yeah, because I knew better. <laughs> I was I was that's afraid right. of my dad. Yeah. So, it, so so you were you were you were that guy? Very active.
0: Yeah, very active. Uh, and then as I got through high school, uh, to be honest, I began to to have an interest in God uh, far more than let's say my friends would. Yeah. And, um, I played sports and, you know, baseball and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but music was kind of like the lifeblood, right? Yeah, I don't know if you were into music when you were a kid, Yeah, but you have those songs that kind of carry you. You have those songs that become kind of the backdrop of your life. You know, the, it's the track of your life. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, I just got way into music and
1: what kind of music,
0: uh, well honestly most
1: now those uh, of you, you that that, that can't yeah. see this jeremy's laughing right yeah. now and like Mo- oh boy mostly it's
0: like the uh <laughs> the hair bands of the of the 80s you know like rat and uh bon jovi mötley crue all really? those bands. oh yeah oh yeah uh totally loved all the hair bands uh and then and then this one band uh, came out there. They were called Striper. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard yeah, of them, absolutely. but they were a hair band, yeah. uh, you know, an eighties rock band, yeah. uh, glam metal, remember yeah. that's what yeah. we called yeah. it. And, uh, they were Christians, they were Christians. and yeah. it, it just struck me and, and they became like my favorite and, and I, and I started to, my faith w- was profoundly affected by that band. Really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because they were so bold and I thought, yeah, why can't I be more like this? Yeah. You know? And so, uh, you kind of get through high school and, uh, I, I, I would say I was the type of guy who did not love high school uh, because I just wasn't into – I played music and all that kind of stuff, but I just wasn't into the party and I wasn't mm-hmm. into the social status kind of a deal. I Frankly, I could care less what people thought about
1: me. Yeah. You know. At, at, did you know in high school, though, that that there was something burning inside you?
0: Not early on. Now, this is funny. Uh, I speak in front of thousands of people every week. Yeah. And uh, when I was in ninth grade, you know how you have to do that speech class? Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. (laughs) Horrible. Nobody likes it. And uh, so I I remember uh, having to give these stupid speeches, and I just refused. I sat in my desk, and I remember looking at my teacher saying, you can fail me because I will never get in front of a crowd. Ever. Wow. Ninth grade, absolute failure. Going to 10th grade, you have to do English class with two or three speeches. Failed, failed, failed. Would not give a speech. Uh, It was in my 11th grade year uh, that really I— I'd say I became a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. And I started to uh, give my heart more fully to Christ and and trying to work on my faith walk. Now, I was a good kid. I went to church before that, but it was really the 11th grade year. I was at this camp up north, you know, like uh, teen camp. You've probably heard of these things. And, And I remember the guy preaching this message, and it was about the idea that that my parents' faith was not good enough. That a broad faith—that's you know, kind of oh, I believe in some God—was not good enough. It was a challenge to give my heart to Christ, and and I did at this summer camp. And when I came back to school, uh, it was interesting. Something came alive in me. Yeah. And I remember being willing to to talk more boldly and openly about my faith and mm-hmm. about what I really believed and who I really was. And uh, so through my senior year, uh, I developed this little. Bible study after school, like, you know how you get a couple of kids together in a classroom and you go, hey, we're going to have a Bible club. You know, yeah. how, how uncool was that, right? Yeah. Uh, but this, we were in a school of maybe 250 or 300 high school kids and uh, it grew and grew and we easily had over a hundred kids come to this thing. As a matter of fact, we outgrew the school and had to move to my parents' house uh, and, and use their backyard for this Bible club. Isn't that crazy? That is
1: so cool. I, that's something that, that we have in common and... Um, it's funny how God uses even children. Cause yeah. I was a kid in high school. Yeah. I was, I was a junior and, um, I was asked to, to do this counseling with kids in the morning. Yeah. And I said, me, I, I said, wow. did you see my grades? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I'm not your guy. Yeah, I go, you know, those people down there are the smart people. No, no, I'm not. They're like, no, but you, there's something special about you. And, um, it started with one kid just coming before yeah. school. Isn't that incredible? And by the time my, my senior year came about, I had um, people working with me. Or not working for them, but you know, other yeah. students. And um, it had three classrooms full of kids coming and just talking about their, their issues. Wow. and so John, it's kind of funny that- And Johnny D was born. I, yeah. I, and, and even then, I didn't know. And um, and the reason why I ask you those questions is because junior or senior year, I thought- um, that I was going to be a priest. No way. Yeah. Um, because I didn't know any better. I you th- thought you would make a lousy priest. <laughs> I wouldn't make a lousy priest. <laughs> I, 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 but but, but, um, it's funny. After so many years later, it's amazing how you said it, 10 years ago, I have a ministry, then I didn't yeah. even know it. Yeah. I had a ministry then and didn't know it. Yep. So the reason why I asked that is, is you did know at a young age. I think I did. Kind of. uh, around my senior year, yeah. I felt this call.
0: I know it's a really weird churchy word, but uh, I felt this call to share God's love and grace with people. Yeah. So what you do? You graduated? Um, um, I did. Uh, so it, I graduated. I was actually married when I was 18, very young. I'm celebrating 30 years wow. this, this year in August. Uh, incredible. And so uh, my wife was 19. I was 18. I was a year out of—I was going into my— my junior year, no, excuse me, my sophomore year in college. So I was married after my freshman year in college. Uh, so I went to school young. I was 17 when I went to college. And uh, I started down the road of what you call Bible college mm-hmm. to learn to be a pastor. And uh, it was interesting though, because by the time I was out of Bible college, like I said, I left the church yeah. I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. This is not connecting with me. I was playing in bands and um, I, I, I love God, but did not love the local church i mm-hmm. just didn't and uh so uh when i was 19 years old i'm married we're poor you know how you are when you're <laughs> right. young and making two dollars an hour remember the, that that's crazy what were you, you know? doing for a living well uh when i was 19 this is re- very odd i started a building company okay uh, it was a painting company now this is weird I got uh, I got a job. I was married, right? And I was in Bible college, and we were living in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I got a job at a painting company, and it was a high-end painting company. I did not know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about painting. And I was the low guy in the totem pole, but we were in rich people's houses. I mean, we were doing, like, $50,000 paint jobs. I couldn't believe this. right? And uh, so I was doing this for about maybe five or six months, and I realized I'm good at this. I'm good at talking to people. And I can actually paint. And this guy trained me and this company trained me. And I was really good at this. And this is a crazy story, but I was sent to this house to paint this bedroom. And I, and it was my first kind of assignment on my own, right? right. Or maybe it was my second one. Uh, but anyways, this guy owned a GM dealership, right? Okay. Beautiful house, rich people and all that. And uh, I, I go there, I, I do this job, and uh, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm packing up all the tools and I'm leaving and I got my old beat up van and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm I'm driving, getting ready to drive down the driveway. And this lady of the house comes running out after me and she's got the envelope that I gave her. I left the bill right. on the table and she's yelling at me. She's like, what do you mean 400 and something dollars to paint this room? Now this is back in 1989, 1990. Yeah. And, uh, and I was as shocked as she was, like 400 bucks. I'm thinking, I get paid five bucks an hour. <laughs> I was here for five hours or six hours. I got, I got paid 30 bucks and paint back then was what, 10 bucks? And this guy's charging like 400 bucks yeah. for this job. And uh, I go, ma'am, take it up with the boss. But all the way home, I'm thinking to myself, I am getting ripped off. This guy is making a mint off of me, you know? (laughs) And so I'm 19 years old, but I have a very entrepreneurial bent in me. I mean, very entrepreneurial bent. Uh, I I did my first investing when I was like 16 years old. I I, I made a bunch of money doing lawns and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I invested it all and lost every penny of it, you know what I mean? (laughs) And uh, so anyways, uh, I, I remember thinking to myself, this is crazy how much this guy's charging. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. And so I went home and I told my wife and I remember I negotiated with the guy. <laughs> I said, I want 10 bucks an hour. That was big money back yeah, then. Yeah, absolutely. I go, I want 10 bucks an hour. And he goes, you're crazy. Nobody gets paid. Only my best guys get 10. I'm like, but dude, you're sending me out to do these jobs on my own. And <laughs> right. I'm making you ma-. And he would not give me 10. He offered me like eight or 8.50 an hour. And I'm like, yeah. not good enough, you know? <laughs> and so I quit and uh, started my own little painting company i called it poppers painting and um nice. so it we were poor i mean we did, did your not, wife think you were nuts? Uh, she did you know and it was so weird my wife comes from an engineer uh home her her dad's an engineer yeah. and paycheck is always there mm-hmm. education you know the whole nine yards and yeah. and this this is so funny like when we got married uh, her father doesn't say many words. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, he's a very quiet man. Very good man, but very quiet. Uh, John, th- this conversation is as probably as lively. And as long as any conversation I've had with my father-in-law in 30 years, <laughs> the guy is so quiet. You wouldn't believe it. Like leave it to beaver world. Right. 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 And, uh, so he, he gets, the, we were out fishing one day and, uh, he, he looks at me just before we get married. He goes, so you're going to marry my daughter. And I'm like, yeah, bro. You know, my hair, I got two feet of hair, you know, and uh looked like 1989 rock and roll yeah. Bon Jovi, you know? And uh, and he and he looks at me and he goes, so have you thought about what you're going to do to take care of her? And I'm like, bro, I'm going to play in a rock band. I'm going to make all kinds of money. <laughs> and he just looks at me like that was the dumbest thing in the world, you know? Yeah. And he's quiet for a couple of minutes. And then he looks at me and goes, do you have a backup plan? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the greatest? What, so what'd you say? I said, I'm going to start a business. And he goes, any other plan, <laughs> you know, cause that wasn't in his worldview and yeah. it wasn't really in my wife's worldview, but, uh, but my wife is very supportive and yeah. she believes, uh, maybe not in my crazy ideas, but she believes in me, Yeah, you know? And so, uh, she said, okay, you know, and that first year or two was a little rough, uh, <laughs> But what was weird I mean this is a weird thing i'm not it's not like a braggadocious thing. it's just what happened i was I'm a very aggressive mm-hmm. person, and when I have a dream i I try to go after that yeah. and uh um I'm not afraid of risk yeah. you know um and so at nineteen, I started out and uh by time I was twenty one we had already bought and sold three or four houses. I built my first brand new house brand new house from the ground up really uh at twenty one years old, yeah. Uh,
1: So you you built a business and then you decided that you're going to go from painting to actually building Building houses. Have you ever done it before? No. Uh,
0: (laughs) This was back before
1: there was YouTube. I mean,
0: kids now, I mean, you got an advantage. Like, hey, how do I plumb this? You go to YouTube. Did you ever mess up? Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? They called me three Pete because it took me three times to get it right. Uh, and so you know, but what was weird is I I wasn't afraid. That's yeah. a, a key thing. Like, I know that's what you're about, yeah. John. Right? Yeah. Like you you try to motivate people all the time. Like take, follow your dream and yeah. go for it. If you fail, so what? Yeah, you got to fail forward. You yeah. know, just try again. And and so like, I remember. Uh, I I did something that was kind of weird. Like I was 21, but I hired all these older guys who were much better Mm -hmm. and they were actually intimidated that I was the boss, but they were young uh, and I was younger than them, but I I didn't try to be disrespectful or anything, but I needed their (laughs) talents. I needed their skills and I had the brains to put it together or at least the gumption to put it together, but I needed what they had. And so, and you, and you learn as you watch these older, more talented guys Mm -hmm. and you learn and learn and learn. And so I, I remember, uh, 21 years old. This is crazy. <laughs> I'd already bought and sold a bunch of uh, houses and stuff like that already. And I had a sizable nest egg already yeah. built up. And um, I was going to build my first new house. Now, this is a funny little story. <laughs> um, I went to the bank I'd, I was banking with. and yeah. I sat down with them. And I said, hey, listen, uh, I want to build a house. And I don't know, they were a couple hundred thousand dollars or $180,000 back then. And uh, I said, I'll put up half of the money and I'll buy the land. And I just need you to supply the other half. Yeah. And the guy goes, "Oh, this will be no problem. Fill out the application and all that kind of stuff." And uh, and I didn't. It was a. I remember it was a two hundred and fifty dollar business loan fee. That's right. a lot of money back. From, yeah. Okay. And uh, I fill it all out, and they I get denied for the loan. And I got so mad. I walked in there and I told the guy. I said, <laughs> "I said, mark my words. I'm going to build millions of dollars worth of houses." and I will never borrow a penny from you guys ever.
1: We have a lot in common. Yeah, (laughs) I I was
0: so mad, and I was freaked out. and So I eventually, uh, and I didn't get the loan, which was uh, a bummer, but I had a buddy who was uh, very skilled, twice as old as me. I was 21. He was probably 40. And um, I said, hey, I need your brain, I need your skill, and I need your money, (laughs) you know? And he's like, okay, what's it for me? And I said, well, you can work your day job. I will work all day on this project and all I need you to do is come after work for an hour or two a night and, and tell me what, what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. You know, kind of a deal. And so we built our first house together and made a bunch of money and, uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of cool. And that kind of got the
1: ball rolling and built a bunch of houses. So you got your business going, you're married, things are great. Yep. You decide to have kids.
0: Yes. Uh, so, in my early twenties uh a bit of an old soul already. I mean, how many people are married at eighteen and yeah. you know have have your house and your Business life kind of going yeah. and all that and so, my wife and I wanted to to have kids we really wanted to have a a big family and so uh from really our early twenties uh through our late twenties we we tried to have kids and um as they say, the practice is fun, but <laughs> it just didn't work right, you know yeah. and we we didn't have a kid, you know, and it was heartbreaking as, I don't know if you've dealt with this or know people who have, but it is absolutely the death of a dream every month, every month when you find out you're not pregnant, it is the death of a dream and, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day and holidays. There is a hole in you because uh, for many people who long to have children, it is the greatest dream of their mm-hmm. life, and uh, I mean, you remember when your kids were first yeah. born,
1: and how did you, kid, not kids, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. okay. um, but <laughs> did you start to question your faith and question no God question. because of that? Yeah, oh, oh I, no. I don't
0: want to get too yeah. personal, but I mean, no, no, that's it. Uh, uh, it, it was a very raw thing, and uh, I came down with diabetes when mm-hmm. I was 21 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, type 1 diabetes. I take three, four shots a day. And, um, you know, you, you put that and then not having, you know, the children. And, and there is this thing inside of humanity that begins us to think that you're the center of the universe. And you go, God, why me? Yeah. You know, and I remember, uh, when I came down with diabetes, I remember when we were in this infertility struggle, uh, just constantly praying, constantly asking God, constantly talking to people like you and other, uh, mentor type of mm-hmm. people in my life. Uh, what is God's deal? <laughs> what is God's deal? Well, I'm one of the good guys, Yeah. you know, uh, I finished Bible college at this point. I am uh, a youth pastor. I started this youth ministry yeah. out of my house. We'll get maybe get into that yeah. in a little bit. Uh, and and I, th- I feel like I'm one of the good guys. I'm doing good work. My wife is incredible, you know, and, uh, nothing was happening, you yeah. know? And, and so you go into all the infertility. We spent a fortune as you can imagine. Yeah. And, uh, literally we were at the very end. We said, we're, we're done and we're going to start looking into adoption. And we, we, we were, we were looking into adoption and, uh, Lynette gets pregnant with our son, Zachary. And, uh, It was amazing, you know. As as you can, as you know, and and when our first son came, Zachary came. uh, I remember very distinctly the doctor used this phrase: uh, "It's like your womb is opened, and it'll be fine. The next one will come easy. Just go home and have fun. Right kind of deal." Well, we went home, and nothing happened. You know, and she didn't get pregnant. And uh, a couple years later, we're thinking, "All right, we're we're going to move toward adoption," Mm -hmm. Uh, and that. That's probably the biggest God story of my life. Yeah. Can I tell you about that? Yeah,
1: no, please okay. do, because that's a question that came in on social media. And this lady wrote, please ask this pastor his favorite God story. Okay. So uh, it's kind of funny how yeah. you just asked yourself okay, that the, question. The, yeah. The please. favorite
0: God story out of my own life would be my daughter's birth. Um we we just built uh we, I was 20 uh no, oh, we were I was sorry, thirty. I had to be thirty. 31 years old, 31 years old, uh, we had just built our second new home to live in. Okay. So we're now living in it. We have our son a beautiful home and, uh, we were excited and, uh, we had decided that we were going to adopt. Mm-hmm. Okay. And went through all the paperwork and did all the home study and all that kind of stuff. And they say, hurry up and wait. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, they say, we'll call you. Could be a month, could be six months, could be six years. We'll call you. Right. Okay. And we're like, okay, God, it's in your hands. And so a um, couple, I don't think it was more than two or three weeks had gone by, and I am in this yard. I had 30 yards of dirt poured into the front yard, and I'm out there sweating like a pig. I'm, I'm moving all this you know, <laughs> stuff around, and um, uh, I, I, I'm literally working on the – Uh, yard side, opposite side of the driveway on this big hill of dirt. And I hear what I think to be a plain voice. It'd be just as clear Mm -hmm. as you. Oh, I actually need to back up. I'm sorry. I I need to back up. The day before, the day before, I was in the yard and uh, uh, I get a phone call. And my wife is out working in the yard and she never works in the yard. She hates dirt. (laughs) And so, uh, so we're working in the yard and the phone call comes in. And it's this lady named Audrey and Audrey's from the adoption agency. Okay. But my wife thinks I'm talking to an Audrey who is in our youth group. And, uh, she's like, get off the phone. I'm working, get off the phone. I'm like, this is important. <laughs> and, uh, basically Audrey was saying, uh, from the adoption agency, there's a little girl that's been born. Uh, it looks like she's going to come to your home. Were, were you, would you guys be willing to accept this child into your home? And of course I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. yeah whoa. Yeah. And, uh, Now, there was a series of events that went on around this. Um, My wife was cleaning on the inside of the house, and you know how you have those daily flip verses? Yeah. yeah. And uh, we were like six months behind. We're not very spiritual, okay? (laughs) And uh, we are six months behind, and she flips the thing, like she's cleaning, and um, uh, they said, you know, you may get this baby, right? She flips the chart randomly to May 6th, okay? And th- it was, no, she flips it to May 7th, and it was May 6th. And it says, for this child, 1 Samuel one twenty six. for this child I have prayed, and today God has given oh, wow. him it's to me. Goosebumps. Yes. <laughs> and my wife comes out and says, look at this. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. While she's inside, while she's inside mm-hmm. doing this, I'm on the other side of this dirt hill. And I hear this voice I thought it was somebody from the agency driving over, and I did not see them drive into the yard uh, or to the driveway. And I thought they'd gotten out of the car, and here's what I hear: honest to Jesus, I hear, hey, you know you're going to get this child. That's what I hear. And I drop my shovel and I walk around and I walk around one side of the, I mean, it piles over my head, yeah. and I walk around the other side. And I'm like, who? Hello? Hello? clear as day clear as day to me and I'm in tears my wife comes out on the porch with the flip chart thing going I just flipped this randomly six months today's May I think it was May 6th and it says today the child the very next morning they call and say come pick up your baby Wow, May 7th the date on the flip chart isn't that crazy? <laughs> yes that's a God thing so, and so we were wow. utterly confident that this was from God <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, so utterly.
1: that's two. yeah you have four kids. Yeah. So, what, so Madeline came
0: and, uh, so, uh, again, we were trying to have a baby and we wanted a bigger family and yeah. we put in for a third adoption or second adoption, third child. Yeah. And, uh, nothing was happening on the biological front. And so, uh, we, we do the whole deal again, go through all the money and you know, you yeah. do all that. And, uh, uh, they, they said, you know, Hey, you, you do realize that almost nobody will choose a family with two babies already. Mm-hmm. Almost all of these birth moms will give the child to a family that hasn't had a child, right. you know? And I go, well, we understand, but we'd like to to try anyways. Right. Dude, it was like a month later, um, a, a month later we get a call and it's from a, you know, the agency saying, you know, there's a, a birth mom who wants her child to be put into a home that has more kids. Yeah. You know? Wow. And, uh, They chose us, so we had the second adoption, so that's our third baby, second adoption, and then uh, uh, about a year, not even a year after that, now think about this, 18 years we were married, uh, 18 years married, and uh, never had to worry about protection or anything like that, she just never got pregnant normally, you know, the first one we had a ton of doctor help and all that kind of stuff, and then after we adopted our second baby a few months later, she gets pregnant for the first time naturally and normally. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, And, and I'm going to tell you what it was for me and Lynette. Now, people may look at this and go, that's crazy and that's just Christians being spiritually weird. Right. Uh, but it, for me and Lynette, it was like God said, I had a different plan for you and it literally took me putting the whole world on hold for you to adopt these two children and that's what I wanted. I wanted to complete, I wanted these two kids in your home. Yeah. And then... Now that you did that, I don't care what happens. Right. God was like going, have what you want. You yeah. want a biological, normal, simple baby,
1: go ahead. And she gets pregnant yeah. two months later, you know, or a few months later. Yeah, it was crazy. Jeremy, there might be somebody out there that is going through this yeah. or, or has gone through this. What advice could you give the man yeah. and woman that's maybe, yeah. they, maybe they're working out right now? Maybe they're in their car. Maybe, they, maybe they're listening to the podcast, you know, in Alaska. Yeah, You know, I mean, we don't know where this is once it's in the cloud, but what can you say to that man or or, or to that woman? Yeah, I would say this. uh, It is
0: God who puts families together. It is God who puts families Mm. together. And this is terribly shameful for me now. Uh, I remember wrestling with the thought of adoption, Mm -hmm. uh, thinking this is God's plan B for our family. Of course, God's plan A would be to have biological children. And God slapped me over the head and said, "What in the world do you think I ever go with Plan B? I mean, who are you to tell me what my plan is?" You know. Yeah. And and I'm telling you, I was I was counseling a couple just the other day here at Metro uh, at our church, Metro City Church, um, and they were struggling with infertility. Mm-hmm. And I, and I said to them, "There, God is the one who puts plans, uh, baby, or babies in homes. God is the one who puts families together." There is no plan B. And I think it's something special when the average person can get pregnant. I mean, I know dudes who look at their wives know, and right? they're pregnant. I mean, I, I didn't even touch her. <laughs> She's pregnant, you know. And uh, it's true. Like some people just got it, you yeah, know. Yeah. And others like me just don't, you know. Yeah. And uh, – and I say, it's almost like God has reserved something special for you. Yeah. And and he may have a different plan for you and follow that plan. Don't be afraid of that plan. Yeah. Um, if your heart desires children, God says there are hundreds of thousands of children that do not have mommies and daddies. Yes. And he puts families together. Now, John, listen, I know that you're a Christian. Yeah. And I'm a Christian. Um, the, the scripture says now, this is an incredible thought that God adopted us as sons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Adoption is God's uh, picture of us. Yeah. It's how he brought us into his family. I know me, and, and I'm guessing I know you. Yeah. Uh, we didn't deserve it too much. No. And uh, God reached into us and he adopted us as sons. Amen. He did something big inside of yeah. us, right? Uh, and, and I just encourage families that God puts families together. Yeah. Stop thinking that you got to make all the plans.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to get to know you even a little bit better. Okay. (laughs) I I heard a rumor about you. I heard, and I want to know if this stem from the days of being broke. Yeah. I heard that you shop on sales racks and that there is nothing that you buy at full price. Is that true about you? absolutely true. (laughs) because, Because here's the thing, Jeremy. People think, and they see... Pastors and they see the guys and girls on yeah. TV, especially big churches, yeah. right? Right, five thousand dollar tennis shoes yep. and and suits and and jewelry and all this stuff, right? Yep. And, and I'm just I'm I'm just, yeah. I'm saying what what people are thinking right now, yeah. right? Are you really as cheap? As yeah. people say you are? Yeah, uh, that's a good question.
0: Uh, so really, there's a bigger question. It's it's philosophical and mm-hmm. it's theological. As a matter of fact, as a church right now, we're in a series called The Church Just Wants Your Money. Yeah, yeah. The Church Just Wants Your Money. And uh, you're right, the, the world looks at church leaders and pastors uh, so very often and says you guys are a bunch of crooks you know um, what's interesting is for me my cheapness stems way before I was a pastor you know what I mean <laughs> right. and, uh, uh, and and honestly we've had some business success we we've worked very hard and built a good business uh, but the, but the truth is yeah I I like my money in my pocket you know <laughs> and uh, I, I also don't feel... Um, I feel that Christians need to be very generous mm-hmm. and I feel that and I live in a nice home, drive a decent car and all that kind of stuff um, but I don't feel that that church leaders should get rich off of the back of their church right. I'm still uh, what we call dual employed or I have a marketplace mm-hmm. job, I, I receive about half of my income from the marketplace yeah. uh, and I have the I think we're the largest church south of Detroit, you yeah. know, and and uh, people get shocked at that. Like, oh, shouldn't you be living large off the church? Our answer is no. Yeah. Uh, I make a very moderate, moderate salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the average for my tenure in the entire area. Like, yeah. we're, I, I get paid way less than most church pastors do oh, for the size of a church. <laughs> Let's just trust me, okay? And uh, it's funny because I remember uh, back in the early days of Facebook yeah. uh, that there, there was this group of people. And they were just anti God, anti church, and they were uh, they put pictures of my house on the line on on the on the Facebook, Mm -hmm. and they were just saying, "Oh, this pastor's just in it for the money and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff." And what was funny, I hadn't received ten almost ten years into the life of our church, I hadn't received one penny from the church, not (laughs) one, not one. Yeah, Uh, we didn't do any fundraising. Now this is weird. Yeah, it's not bragging at all. No, I am totally committed to our church yeah uh and when we started our church uh we had some people give personally like you Mm -hmm. know your startup uh I guess you call it core group you know um but our first offering was $34.11 I still remember (laughs) $34 okay and I remember looking at my wife going what have we gotten ourselves into (laughs) and literally my wife and I spent most of our life savings at that point yeah To start this church. That's awesome. We never went to any other organization. We never did any fundraising, anything. And uh, we thought, hey, look, if God's calling us, we need to be absolutely committed to this. We need to be all in on this. It needs to be different. And we're downriver people. We're south of Detroit, man. Um, It's different here. You know, this is a working man's area. You know, John, you're you're from the area. I haven't left the area. And,
1: And one, because I love it. Yeah. This is the, home. The, it, Good, it's, hard work. People ask people. me all the time, Jeremy. And this is where me and you, and I don't even know if you understand how close that we are, even though we're not as close. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, um, because people often ask me, they're like, Johnny D, you're, you travel all over the country. You're, you're doing well for yourself. Why do you live here? Yeah. Why do you live where, where you live? I'm like, it's because home. I'm happy here. <laughs> like yeah. I have neighbors that like yeah. me and I like them. And when I leave, they watch my house Yeah. and I like my money in the bank. Yeah. I like being able to put my kid through college. I like being able to buy her a nice car. I like doing nice things for other people. Yep, you know what I mean. So yeah, Yeah, I mean, so there there is a lot. So uh, okay, so you have your business, you have your wife, you got your kids. What did your wife think when you said to her, "Okay, things are great. We're going to start a church." Uh, (laughs) Funny, I had been talking to my wife for
0: years. Like in my early twenties, we started a high school ministry. Okay? okay. That's all it was. It was like a high school youth group. Yeah. And it grew and grew and grew, it started with just a couple of kids and it grew to be huge, like hundreds of kids. Wow. Uh, and so and you did this out of your house, right? Out of, out of our house. And so every week we were either <laughs> in my own house or we rented, uh, you know, theaters, we rented, uh, what do they call those community rooms at apartment complexes? Yeah. We, we were, showing out money every week, mm-hmm. you know, to make this happen. And so I'm working all week and I'm doing this youth ministry gig at night. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And, uh, it, so we're reaching all these kids and I started to talk about in my mid to later, tw- uh, my, I'd say around 26, 27 years old. I started saying, Lynette, I'd like to start a church, you know, uh, one that would be like our youth group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so long story kind of short is I had a mentor, excuse me, one of my college professors and, uh. I went to him and I said, Eric, I want to start a church that would be like my youth group. Mm-hmm. I want it to be rocking and relevant and what we talk about on the weekend actually matters during the week. I don't want it to be like the church I grew up in, but I've never heard of a church like this. This is yeah. 20 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years ago now, and I, I never heard of anything like this. And uh, and I remember um, uh, him, him basically giving me this book, and it was by a guy named Bill Hybels. It was called uh, Rediscovering Church. And when I read it, it, it changed my life. It gave me a picture of the kind of church that, that I wanted to be part of, yeah. you know? And uh, so I came back to him and I said, I want to start a church like this. And he looks at me, this guy who I loved and respected, he looks at me and says, you start this church, you will destroy people. You are not ready to be a pastor. And I'm like, and I'm I, to his face, I'm real humble, yeah. but I felt like this balloon that had been popped, you know, Mm -hmm. you get excited about things and somebody who you respect just goes, no, you know? And of course to his face, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I probably need a little bit more seasoning, but I walk out, I'm throwing things around going, (laughs) dude, I started a successful business. I got a big youth ministry. You don't know what you're talking about, but you know what? He was right. I wasn't ready at all. You know, you're young and you are brash and you are dumb and you think you are large and in charge. Mm -hmm. But God has a way of humbling you, you know yeah. what I mean? And um, so uh, he gave he gave me this phone number of this uh, guy who was older than me, who had an adult group that was thinking about starting a more modern church. And I had all these teenagers He said, why don't you guys talk and maybe you guys can put something together, you know? So I'm like, yeah, 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 bro. And I take the number and I promptly <laughs> throw it away when I get home. My wife saves the number, literally saves the number few weeks later, I'm on the couch in the living room and having just this moment with God where I'm going, God, I don't know what to do. Uh, I've never felt ever at this point uh, in my adult life that I didn't know what was next for me. Mm-hmm. I just always had this feeling of God Tell me what was next, and I felt empty. I, I wasn't like spiritually off the rails doing terrible right. things. No. I just didn't know what was next. I have this big youth group, uh, but I know that the local church is where it's at. I just can't work with kids because these kids graduate and they 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 leave the church. Mm-hmm. And the bi- the Bible is very clear that the body of Christ involves me and you, our grandparents, our kids, yep. and everybody in between. You know, and uh so uh, my wife comes. I'm on the couch. I'm in tears one night, and she says. Here's the phone. Remember those old big cordless phones with the big antenna? <laughs> yeah. She hands me one of those, and uh, she hands me this phone number. And she says, "Call the guy." I'm saying, "What's this?" She goes, "That's that number that Eric, your mentor, gave to you. Call him." So I called the guy, and we end up launching a church. It's still operational here in town. Uh, in 1997, I was the youth pastor, and uh, this guy was the lead pastor, and it was good. And I got a lot of experience, and I grew mm-hmm. up a little bit, but I could never shake the feeling that God wanted me to launch a church from scratch and be the, the lead pastor. Mm-hmm. And um, about a year and a half into that church, when I was about 27 and a half, almost 28, uh, we were going up north, my wife and I, and I, I-75, heading toward Flint. I uh, bring up the conversation again with Lynette, and I'm like, honey, baby doll, <laughs> sugar pie. Uh <laughs> I really can't shake the feeling. I, I just feel that God wants me to lead a church. Mm-hmm. And um, she looks at me and she says, if you really feel God is telling you to do this, then I'm in, I'm in. And I literally about drove, drove off the road. And I'm thinking, my wife's incredible. She lets me start this business. She lets me build these houses. Yeah. We're buying property and dividing it up. How crazy. I mean, Lynette is like totally like, okay, whatever, God, yeah. you know? And, uh... And and so she says, if you're in, I'm in, you know, and uh, we literally pull off on the side of the road and tears just prayed on I-75 saying, God, if you want us to do this, we're going to give our hearts and our lives to this. Mm-hmm. We're going to give everything that we've earned, everything that we've tried to build in our lives, it belongs to you, all of it. And uh, so uh, we come back, we tell that church, we end up staying there for another year and a half. So we didn't rush it, you mm-hmm. know, or anything like that. And, uh, but eventually we launched out in the end of, uh, 2000, uh, and I think it was October 20th or so, right around the end of (laughs) October, uh, we had our very first church gathering and, uh, it was incredible. Uh, we invited everybody in the whole country, you know, like we invited our grandma, everybody, everybody who knew would not come to this (laughs) rock and roll church, you know, and they came and we had 128 people. At our first Sunday wow. gathering. 120 people. And I'm like, whoa, we're killing it, you know? <laughs> and then um, and then, really through the incredible uh, strength of my leadership, my preaching, and my debonair personality, uh, <laughs> by week five, we were down to 54. <laughs> and uh, by week eight, we were down to about 39, 40, you know? And I'm um, like, this is going in the wrong direction, right, you right, know? Yeah. And uh, that's where we landed, about 40 people. And that became our... Our core. Yeah. And uh, they were all kids. Almost everybody was just out of high school. And I'm 30 years old. My wife is 30. We have a couple other uh, late 20 people involved, early 30s. And other than that, it was all 18 year olds. You Jeremy, know?
1: At, at that point, when you said it was mostly younger people, yeah, what was it like for you and your wife to all of a sudden start seeing their parents come to church? Yeah, it was with crazy. Them? Yeah, the first uh,
0: two years, we could hardly even pay the stupid rent, you know? Uh, Most every week, uh, we would do church, we would collect the offering, and uh, the guy who owned the hall that we rented would show up every Sunday and, like demand his rent right then and there. And I'm like, what the heck? This guy is like, he would interrupt church service asking for rent. Yeah. I'm like, we're not even done yet. You know? And he's an old dude. And anyways, uh, so most every week we'd have to write an additional check. My wife and I'd have to make up the difference, you know, mm-hmm. it was very difficult, you know? And then all of a sudden, a couple of years into it, parents started to come, you know, mostly these kids were dragging their parents and, yeah. uh, And slowly, uh, slowly over time, I remember being uh, year five, we did our first survey within our church. We had about 500 people. I think we were just a smidget shy of 500 people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we had a total of 50 people over 35 years old. Oh, wow. Total, totally. We were broke as broke can be, and we're yeah. still broke. We're downriver people, you know. Yeah. Is, I'm still working a day job. It's terrible, you know. Uh, but uh, money's never been the driver. You know, yeah. all this come. You know, am I cheap? I'm cheap because I, I want this place to survive, yeah. and I don't want to be the burden yeah. to this place, you know. So me, I
1: work, and I'm happy to do it. We look at, and I say we, individuals look at their pastors, their priests, as modern day superheroes, yeah, okay, um, you, you take the stage. We see you for that for that hour, for that hour and a half, and we think that you have it all together. That you're perfect. Yeah. We what, got what, you what, fooled. What what's, <laughs> what's what's Jeremy afraid of? If, if if you are that modern day superhero that that we all see, I just want you to be transparent with me and for for the listeners. Are you afraid wow. of anything? Ooh. Okay.
0: Uh, I will tell you. Um, I am afraid of failure, and not because uh, not 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 because I want to succeed. It's because I don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm not sure that that's always the right motivation. Right. <laughs> so fail. You, you're you're. I know. I, no, I, I know I, you. are driven. Because I'm driven the yeah, exact same way. And if you're going to put your name out there, you're going to prove to the world. Uh, that you're not going to fail, uh, but let me tell you something. This is what I've learned: is that God, um, God does not use failure as our motivation. Mm-hmm. Trust ought to be our motivation, right? Uh, that God's greatness and His glory ought to be our motivation, not because I want to prove to the world that I can do this. Right. You know, and so that's been a, a constant battle in my own soul: is thinking that the success of our church is. Uh, parallel or equal to my personal success. Right. Uh, but John, you know, the this, this scripture never equates my success as success in God's eyes. He says my success is my faithfulness to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had to wrestle with this over the years because, you know, we're a bigger church, uh, but we're not super big, right? right. And uh, we, we're downriver, and we have struggled financially like pretty much for all 18 years, you right. know, and uh, never been able to kind of get all the way there, you know? And I look at this and I look at other churches that I go, well, they've been in business for 10 years and they got 10,000 people and all this stuff and all this, you know, income and all that kind of stuff. Why can't I have that? Right. And somewhere along the way, God uh, very clearly slapped me around and said, um, Jeremy, just like Saul, you know, God said to Saul, King Saul, Saul, I've given you thousand, but David has tens of thousands. Uh, you remember that passage in the scripture where David was, uh, given way many more blessings than King Saul. And, and God says, Saul, your issue is not the amount of your success. Your issue is your faithfulness or the, or your lack of faithfulness toward me. And, and John, uh, if God takes all this away, I think I'm at a point now it's okay. You know, it, it is okay. Uh, I am called to be faithful to God. Yeah. And no matter what it is, um, and, you know, even like summertime, people don't realize summers are hard on pastors because your attendance drops by a quarter at least. And, and every week you go, where did 500 people go? Right, do they not right. like you anymore? <laughs> right. You know, uh, and then every every month, somebody's know, leaving. Do you know what
1: make, probably it makes me feel good, and it's making everybody listening to this feel good? that you deal with the exact same things oh, that we deal yeah, with. No question. You as a man yeah. are dealing with sometimes the ego because yep. we all have it. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm getting goosebumps right yeah. now because, I mean, you try not to. Yeah. But we're wired a certain way. We're humans. Yep. And, and, and it's just kind of crazy. Yep. Jeremy, when you want to get away from, and I mean this in the utmost respect, but when you want to get away from the family yeah. and you want to get away from the business and you want to get away from the church... Yeah. What does Jeremy Shotzo like to do? When Jeremy wants to get away from everything, so you're saying outside of my family, I, just everything. Like, do you have a Harley that that you jump on and you let your uh, hair whip flip, flip through the the wind? You do know, do you have a boat s- that you go on? Do you sit in a, under a tree and write no. poetry? Uh, what is it? That- <laughs> um, I do
0: like to read. Uh, that's for sure. I do like to read. I would say I've struggled with personal time. Mm-hmm. I, I really have. Um, being bivocational all these years has allowed very little of that, like almost none. Yeah. And so any alone time or away time really does need to be with my wife and kids as much as possible, you know? Uh, and especially now that my kids are older, it it becomes even more difficult. You treasure it. Oh my goodness. You're not kidding. Uh, you're not kidding. Uh, so, Away time It's kind of an ongoing joke in our family Because when you're in in the Downriver community you got a big church And you're on on the screens all the time Mm -hmm. People know you everywhere you go Everywhere you go And so if we want as a family To go out to eat we generally try to avoid downriver if we don't want to be interrupted, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we go to Monroe, or we will go to Canton area or something yeah. like that, because to get out of our area. And uh, but as a family, we love to camp. And okay. uh, Lake Michigan is it. That's so. Gold. Do you like
1: to glamp or do you like to camp?
0: We're glampers. Or, or, so we got glampers. a camper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got a camper. The, this old boy is not not doing the uh, tent anymore. So, so we, do you fish and hunt then too? Nope, not at all. Uh, not at all. I think that stuff is slimy and. Great. <laughs> uh, but I love it I love people doing it uh, I'm all supportive of it but uh, it's uh, uh, not not me for sure but I love being out in nature I love walking I love riding my bike all that kind of stuff uh, now the only alone thing that I really this is weird I mean people my wife thinks I'm crazy about this <laughs> I watch documentaries yeah Uh, about, I'm like on a a six part series on the building of New York city right now. So I love history and I love, uh, I love war. I love the art of war. I love the, I love learning about the devastation of war and why things happen in human history. Mm -hmm. So I, I I watch these documentaries on my own and that's That's probably it. You know, that's, that's it for me. It's like my wife are like, what are you watching?
1: Uh, Goes right back to sleep, you know. <laughs> Jeremy, I don't know why I'm asking you this question, but um, I was praying this morning just about this podcast and and, and about coming on here with you because you are somebody that I respect a lot. Um, but as a as a speaker, just not in the church, um, people often give me things yeah. to carry. I in, in in my bag here, I I have a a coin that has been uh, blessed by the Pope. Yeah. Um, I have a coin that. Um, that uh, one of our border patrol um, officers gave me, and it was his own personal one that that, that he carried for 10 years. And I carry certain things with me that people give me. Is there something throughout the 20-some years you've been a pastor that somebody has given you that meant so much to you that you still have today? Well, I have, I
0: don't want to say, I don't, don't say good I, look, I don't, John, yeah, right? I, don't, you know I, I mean. don't carry anything. Cause I lose everything. I'm terrible. <laughs> my wife put all these uh, tiles on my phone, my briefcase, my wallet. You don't know talk about like yeah, you can yeah. find them that way. Uh, I literally lose everything. Uh, but I, what I do keep are in a lot of encouragement notes over the years. Uh, you know, every do once people in a while, still hand, Oh write yeah. Your note? Oh yeah. Mostly email nowadays, you right, know, yeah. uh, sometimes Facebook, but Yeah, Uh, it is incredible when you get a note that says, my life was heading in this direction, and because I came to the church and and really started getting connected, now my life is heading in this direction. Isn't that awesome? It is incredible, John. That is motivation enough, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No,
1: no, absolutely. Let me ask you this. Do you have tattoos? Nope. Because we are in a church that is filled with people with tattoos. It's crazy. (laughs) You don't have a tattoo? (laughs) No, half of our staff
0: has tattoos. Yeah. No, I'm too... Listen, (laughs) bottom line is this. uh, Why why would you put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari? You know what I'm saying, baby, right here? Let, Uh, Let me ask you this. Do you have pets? I hate animals. <laughs> uh, no, I take that back. Listen, I really do. I love animals. Uh, I love them. I love them baked. I love them deep fried. I love them grilled. Uh, no. So you're not a pet guy. Not, not a, a pet dog, guy cat lover at all. Uh, as a friend, hey, so you have
1: four kids. Have they, they ever have, came home? Every day. Saying, oh. Every day. <laughs> and, and how do you tell the, these four beautiful children no every single well, day?
0: Well, a good parent figures out at least one thing to tell their kid no to. I'm <laughs> um, like, you guys, when you're older, you're going to have pets and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, It's yeah. going to be such a big deal to you because you, I'd never let you have it. Yeah, But, you know, bottom line is I, can't, I can hardly take care of my own life, yeah. you know? So... Busy yeah. and, and animals are another responsibility, Absolutely. you know. And frankly, if I had another thing in my life,
1: I'd get another kid. Yeah. I love the kids. You Jeremy, know? you spend day in and day out, morning to night, inspiring, motivating others. And that's that's tough all by itself. But I also know that we're humans and you can't be that way all the time. Yeah. Who inspires and motivates? Oh, yeah. You, who who kicks Jeremy yeah. in the butt when Jeremy needs to be kicked yeah. in the butt? And I mean that in, in a fun way, yeah. but but we all need to be kicked in the butt once in a while. Yep. Who does it for you? Okay, I think there's a couple layers
0: to that, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I think on, a, on the most personal level are, are my wife and kids. And here's what I mean by this. Um, failure in that area, moral failure, ethical mm-hmm. failure, uh, that would be a tragedy to me. I I don't ever want to wake up and my wife and kids think I'm a fraud. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, That is the biggest singular motivation of my life. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I look at some of these other uh, big name preachers out there and they, and they fall and I'm thinking something got terribly wrong. Something got terribly off, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that. Uh, That's number one. Uh, Number two is, you know, this has been my life's work for 20 years almost, you know, and I consider the church my family. I mean, mm-hmm. this, my, I know it sounds terrible to say this, but my identity is in this church. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And I can't screw this up, yeah. you know?
1: And So so can I, can I speak yeah. for you for a second and you just answer yes yeah. or no? When you're having a bad day, what you're telling me is, you walk through these doors right here and all of a sudden, those people are motivating yeah. you. Yeah, that, that that person that 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 no brought question. their kids in to play on the Playscape. Yeah, no question. For the first time, and they and they say thank you for everything. That is what inspires and motivates and keeps you going. No question. Right? Yeah, and then I think from the
0: outside, uh, podcasts like yours. Yeah. right? there are these these voices out there that speak into our lives. I mean, there's a couple big ones for me, but I I love a guy named Craig Rochelle. Okay, uh, a guy named Carrie Newhoff. Carrie uh, Newhoff has a podcast that's unbelievable because he interviews both from the business community and from the uh, Christian world yeah. he interviews some of the biggest names out there and uh, to listen to the variety of challenges and accomplishments in life is incredible yeah it's really incredible so I, I love that and I try to I, as a preacher I need a preacher in my life yeah. you know so yeah. I try to listen to guys like Andy Stanley oh, yeah. uh, Lou Giglio some of these
1: guys that I just feel are, Stanley out of uh, Georgia yeah. Oh, he's I, incredible. I know he is. Uh, his cousin is one of my good friends. No way. Yeah.
0: No yeah, way. Yeah, so it's
1: kind of cool. Yeah. How
0: fun. Uh, so there are these big voices out there. I love to read. Uh, I do, you know, uh, it's interesting. For me, I've seen a shift in my own life away from books, more toward blogs and yeah. articles lately. Uh but I still love books, you know,
1: uh, and I love older books a lot of times. So we only we literally have five or ten more minutes, but I, there are a couple key questions yeah. I want to get in here. Go. You keep talking about books and reading and blogs and all this. Are you an author? No, but so are you I, working I, on a book or anything like that?
0: I have decided. I'm, I uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so is this I, the first time you're telling
1: somebody? So uh, I, publicly, I the, no. <laughs> probably a few
0: of our staffers know. A few of our staffers know, but uh, definitely. It is in the works. Really? Yeah, I'm working on something. I got a pretty creative idea. I can't tell you because people would steal it. But I got a I got a different idea about how to approach this. So um, we'll see what happens. But I would love to write. I really would.
1: I really would. You know what? No, no, are you a great writer as well as a good speaker? Or are you do you do you like most of us have a ghostwriter that takes our thoughts? And then rearranges them no, the way that I, I actually, sounds good.
0: You know, I actually feel like my skill is the writing. Okay, as gotcha. even better than my communicating. Yeah, you know. So uh, what people don't know is that uh, I I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit different. I I write every word that I'm going to say on the stage. What every word? So what, what, like, when I, when I see you have the tablet up there, yeah, it's it's word for word. It's, you it's word for word every. Do word. you memorize that then? Uh, as you can tell, I look at it maybe three or four times yeah. and all I have to do is I have this weird ability because I've been doing it for so long yeah, like yeah. you, you're, you're on stage, you're very comfortable and uh, I just have to glance at it and go. I can just glance at it and go and I'll highlight like the key lines that I want phrased yeah. just right. Yeah, yeah You know yeah. what I mean? So I'll look at those, uh, but primarily I can just talk, you know, wow. but it's the so writing process writer. that makes me memorize it, right? Okay. When I'm writing out for word for word and go You're over, right about that. Yeah, it, it makes you, it gets it into your soul. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Favorite food. So I'm going to write, um, I love a salad bar. I really do. And Wait I, a second. I thought but, for sure you were going be to. be meat. <laughs> uh,
1: you, I thought you were going to say something else. No, sure. I,
0: I love a salad bar and I love Chipotle. Those are my two favorite things. If I could go to a salad bar or if I could go to Chipotle, I am in heaven.
1: Really? Yes. Okay. Have you well, been to Chipotle? Please yes. tell me you have. I, yes. Oh, I, they're great. I love the, uh, the rice bowls.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. It's glorious.
1: Oh, uh, do you work out? Because I, do. I know that when you You can't tell. <laughs> yes. No, no, when I say work out, do you do it when you have time or do you say, you know what? Yeah. Because like me, I get so busy sometimes, yep. all of a sudden it would be five days. I'm like, yeah. I haven't worked out. Uh, but then I force myself like last yesterday, it was 90-some degrees. Yep. I waited till like 8:30 at night. I went for a four mile walk and then I realized why I like to do it in the morning. Cause the bugs were hitting me in oh, the face terrible. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: um, uh, uh, yes, I, I do work out and it kills me because some of these guys I listen to, uh, they, they make me feel so guilty because they are regimented, right? They yeah. are oh, I'm five days a week and I'm at the gym every day at four thirty in the morning. Not me, man. I can't even move before nine yeah. o'clock, you know? And, uh, Uh, But I do try to go three days a week on average, maybe four if I can. And I'm totally random. Like, it could be 9.30 in the morning. It can be 11.30 at night. And I'm like, if I get there, I get there. It's awesome. And I'm the worst worker outer ever, (laughs) ever. I I just jump around whatever machines open. Uh, I am not, like, dialed into anything. I'm just moving. Like I just literally think if I'm lifting up things and moving things, I'm doing better than nothing, Yeah, you know? And uh, so... But I, I do, and I hate working out.
1: Like, my son loves working yeah. out. I hate working out, uh, <laughs> but I know I have to. You have to, yeah. I, I just do. Two last questions. Yeah. You, you've brought leadership up a couple times, and you talked about putting yourself in a situation where you, you, you looked up to somebody because you wanted yeah. to know what they know. Yeah. But now you are the leader. You're the, yeah. you're the leader in your business. You're the leader at your church. What's it like for you? to mentor somebody else in the church, and they decide to leave. Yeah. Is that is, is that tough yeah. for a pastor, or or, you know, or, or you, is it kind of like, yeah. wow, that's awesome? You get mixed always, feelings. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: it, I want to say the best side of me always wants the kingdom of God to win. Yeah. Right? Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that there's uh, a personal... A stake in this, you know, yeah. you've invested in somebody for five or 10 years and when they leave, uh, almost always others are going to leave with them and you feel that personally. Yeah. Uh, but I think in general, I celebrate it. I think I do. Um, but I know that mentoring is a big part of my life. Like I would say I enjoy live preaching and personal mentoring probably more than any other aspects okay. of my role. Yeah, I, I love sitting with younger people and just coaching them a little bit and challenging them and to take your turn, motivating them, uh, challenging them to become all that God wants them to do.
1: Jeremy, I can't believe that it has been an hour. Ooh. And I'm going to wrap it up with, and I, you can see I didn't touch half, three quarters. We'll have to of do the, it again. Uh, no, we are going to do it again. But this question means a lot to me, and we're going to end it with this. you answering this question. If somebody is listening right now that may be thinking to themselves, nobody loves me. Mm. Nobody cares about me. Mm. I just wish somebody would love me. What would you say, Jeremy? I mean, as a father, as a husband, as a pastor?
0: Yeah,
1: I would say loneliness
0: is the plague of humanity. It is the ultimate poverty, right? Mm-hmm. The poverty of loneliness is incredible. Um, I would say, John, uh, guys like us, were pretty outgoing. Mm-hmm. We got friends. We got business associates. We got people in our life. I guarantee you, you have felt lonely. Absolutely. I have felt lonely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people would be surprised, yeah. you know. Um, even people in authority or position of some kind, a uh, loneliness is universal to humanity. And I I would say this as somebody, uh, a couple things. Number one, uh, I know this sounds trite and I know this sounds simple. um, But for those who come to Christ, for those who give their heart, their mind, their soul to him, they are never alone. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, granted, that's not we need people with skin on it. We need yeah. we need we need togetherness with skin on it. I get that, you know, uh, but the first thing is to is to to battle the poverty of soul, right? Is to make sure that your relationship with God is vibrant, and I think that is that the requirement for that is the local church. I cannot believe how many people uh, who are Christians mm-hmm. who basically say oh, I go to church when I can, or I go every couple months, or whatever. That's not enough. You need to be part of the body every week. You really, really mm-hmm. do. And I know you travel a lot, but yeah. you you can grab us on podcasts I or was whatever say, yeah. or online. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the point is, you have to stay connected to your spiritual body. That's yeah. number one. Here's the second thing: uh, loneliness uh, is often a result of trying to build friendships, and they fail. The, so then you pull back, right? You mm-hmm. you try to oh, I put my heart out, and I got stomped on. All of us, even dating and relationships Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And people are afraid to try again, right? Um, The truth is, though, that's life. Yeah. That's life. And uh, people are going to let you down. And you're going to invest and invest and invest, and it is not going to work out so well. Uh, and you got to try again. Yeah, you have to try again. It is weird to me how many people say I'm I'm lonely or the church isn't friendly or I don't have any friendships there. I have no reason to go there. Nobody cares about me there. And I'll I'll ask people. Well, do you talk to people when you're here? Yeah. Well, no. Well, I. I see you come five (laughs) minutes late and you leave five minutes early. Right. You have to make an effort. You know what? When you go to the gym, you can't just go, I walked in the gym... Well, did you move anything? Did you pick up any weights? No. Well, no wonder why you haven't g- yeah. you know, gained anything in the area yeah. of health. Uh, the truth is, you got to try, doggone it. Yeah. You got to try and you got to keep trying. Um, and you know what? You will find somebody along the way, you yeah. will find a group of somebody's. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you try, loneliness is a plague, and you got to fight the plague.
1: Jeremy, I um, before we wrap it up, I want to make sure that uh, you let everybody know how they can follow you and the church online. So this is your, yeah. your, you know, your commercial.
0: Yeah, I, I would say, uh, of course, the website metrocitychurch.tv, TV, and uh, you can get. Our app online, and you can uh, watch all the messages right super through the sweet. app. Yeah, the app is great. You know, so just go to the app store or uh, the Android store mm-hmm. and uh, look up Metro City Church. Download the app, and uh, you can follow us on there. Of course, on Facebook as well, and um, Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, Hey, and and here's the deal. If if you are in Southeast Michigan, uh, our area, we would love for you to come and and visit us at church. Uh, Metro is not church as usual. I can promise you that.
1: I'm glad you said that because that's what you say all the time. And I just love that because it's not church as usual. And I'm going to, do you have anything that you want that's burning on your heart right now that you want to say to wrap this up?
0: Well, uh, boy, you got another hour? No, just (laughs) kidding. Uh, You never ask a preacher that. Never ask a preacher. Uh, No, listen, I I would say, uh, number one, John, I love you. I think you are great. You know, Thank you are you. fun and uh, motivating and challenging, and I just love how
1: you—the fact that you just keep going—I think that's awesome. You know, like you're the Energizer Bunny. Well, it and, was funny because you did say this morning, "I'm like Jeremy, you a morning guy," and you're like, "No,", no. but I'm sure you woke up guns blazing. Yep. <laughs> that's how you are.
0: Uh, what I would say is this uh, to people: a lot of people who are listening to something like this, they're interested in God and that kind of a thing, and they feel like they have some sort of relationship with God. I just want to say it like this. The local church is the hope of the world. Um, You and I, if we're, if we're going to follow Christ, people go, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You know, going to a garage does not make me a car. Well, that may be true, but all Christians find a local church. Right. They all do because this is what Jesus was building. This is where we're better together. Uh, This is where we get challenged. And you know, frankly, yeah, there are a lot of, Crappy, can I say that? Yeah. Local churches. Yeah. There are a lot of terrible ones, you know, but there are a lot of great ones, and you need to find one in your area. You yeah. really do. And it will help you in your life. You put God first, like believers have done for thousands of years. You put God first, and everything will flow out of that.
1: Jeremy shot. so it has been so awesome to, to, to one, not only talk about church but it's been great to get to know you as a pastor Thanks, because people don't again they look at you in, in in a different light so it's kind of cool for someone to drive down the road and go you know really cool. this, <laughs> is, cool. this is kind of well, neat. i don't know if they're it, gonna think i'm cool or not but it's been a lot of fun and i said i wasn't gonna get churchy but i am gonna get churchy and i'm gonna let you end this podcast with a prayer for everybody listening if you don't mind uh thank you god for our time together i pray
0: for every single person Uh, out there on the uh, net who is listening to this. I I pray, God, that your spirit would connect with theirs, God, that you would lift them, that you would encourage
1: them, and uh, help them to find a home inside of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen amen. This is Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy with this week's Outstanding Life podcast with Jeremy Schatzel, my personal pastor at the church that I go to. And I just want to let everybody know that you can follow us. You can go to motivationalcowboy.com. You can download all the podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Player FM. And don't forget, now you can donate on PayPal as well as support on Patreon. Again, this is Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy telling you, be safe, have fun, and have yourselves an out. Standing day, your, your breath, the planets form. If the stars are made to worship, so lie, I can see.